0: This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard, take the lead.
1: I'm Cassandra Baldini with Financial Standard. You've probably noticed lately that when you throw yourself down in front of the telly and fire up Netflix, there's a lot more international content and even older programs Movies from your childhood or television shows you completely forgot about popping up on the home screen. While in this day and age we can never have enough content, the reasoning for it is actually a distinct lack of content, one that's stemming from the ongoing Hollywood strike. And it's not just impacting what's on our screens, those who invest in the film and television industry are also feeling the heat. With me today to discuss the ongoing situation is GSFM CEO Damien McIntyre. Damien, thank you so much for joining.
0: Thank you, and thank you for having me.
1: So you, early in the the year, in collaboration with Australian Entertainment Partners, actually launched a unique vehicle investing in the local film and television industry. Could you give us a little bit of an overview of the fund and why it was developed?
0: yes the the overview of the fund is that it its design is to invest in domestic film and television production its its ambition is to create and or, or enhance the film and television industry in australia and also to give australia the opportunity to become a a successful hub for production whether that's from US producers or uh, European producers, but it, it really the aim is is always to develop the the domestic industry. And then uh, drilling down deeper into that, uh, with the digitization of uh, content as as it's colloquially known as these days, is that the economics of the industry have changed substantially. Film and television production, or the financial success of it, isn't dependent on box office success today like it was many years ago. So what that's created is an economic utility for uh, the investors. So we've got, a, we've got a, a marriage of a great ambition to develop an industry in Australia or, or to develop further an industry in Australia. And secondly, marrying it up with capital who can see an attractive return.
1: So it's the AEP Scream Fund. It's almost like a sign of what's to come and in some ways a bit of a guinea pig. So going forward, do you think we'll see multiple funds launched on the back of digitalized content?
0: Yes, I don't see the trend abating at all if you think about um think think about music and that this is really where it started with the the advent of um digitized music um, spotify is probably the most recognized uh, you know brand in that that space today but it, it, the digitization of film and television has completely changed our behaviors these days we watch television or films wherever we want and we watch whatever we want. We're not dictated to by what's on channels 7, 9, channel 10, and channel 2. The world's changed. So, And I think that change is permanent. So, yes, I, I see many more film and, and screen funds or film and television funds to come. They'll change slightly, but I really do think this is the beginning.
1: Okay, and what kind of investors will the fund target, and what kind of returns can be expected? Well,
0: initially, we're targeting uh, state governments, and in addition to that, family offices um, and philanthropists, uh, high net worth philanthropists, for want of a better description. Okay. So, so you think about so just talking about the economic utility and why an investment in this fund would appeal to a state government is it effectively what we're undertaking to do is to make films within their jurisdictions and the economic benefits of film production are well known and treasured. And and the reason we we know that that's why the governments are willing to offer incentives for productions to be made in Australia, because uh, uh, the governments can see straight away that there is a great economic benefit. So, the states are the, are the logical benefactor of film, pro- an increase in film production. So they're the first call. And then the second call is, as I said, for family officers and philanthropists who, who not only see the economic benefit of this, but they also see that it's a great thing for society to develop uh, the arts uh, within Australia.
1: And what would those returns uh, most likely be? Well, the returns, our
0: forecast returns, and and we believe we're reasonably conservative, have IRRs in the range of fifteen to twenty percent. Mm. And the reason we so we can make these sort of what appear to be cavalier predictions is is as I mentioned from the outset, the economics of the industry has changed these days because the demand for content is so high. The streaming services, um, you know such as Netflix or Amazon or Apple, uh, to name a few, they will basically guarantee a percentage return on the content once it's delivered so that they will say that we will pay you uh, one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty percent, for example, of your net production costs, so that locks in the return up front and uh, you know it's 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 a, it's a very uh, attractive platform to move forward
1: yeah it's an extremely interesting concept circling back to the hollywood strike the screen fund was launched in may which is the same month the writers guild of america strike began that's of course reached its close with a deal being struck in september but it was kind of just the beginning because in July, the Actors' Union also joined the strike, bringing us to the present day. So can you talk us through um, the timing of the launch and the impact that strike has had on the screen fund? I mean, I'm sure there would have been some rumblings of discontent at the time, but did you think it would sort of continue as long as it has?
0: Look, I'm not not an expert on... (laughs) <laughs> on uh, the politics of the uh, film and television industry, so I can't really offer you any great insight. but I suppose um as far as the timing is you know is concerned, sure it, it was it was unfortunate. but um I think generally speaking, I don't think these disputes are permanent. Both parties, the the writers and the actors, definitely have legitimate claims for better terms. You only have to look at the returns that the 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 streaming services and entertainment companies are making. so it's it's not unreasonable that writers and actors have a greater return of those uh, economic profits. And I think you know I, I just think it'll be resolved eventually, whether that's w- whether that's now, as we've seen with the um the writers and if it's next month or the month after with the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think. It's in anyone's interest for this to become a permanent state, and and it definitely won't be. So we just see things getting back to normal, you know, in the not too distant future.
1: Yes, because you've had to sort of stop everything, and you're not able to pursue investors at the, at this time. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, that's right. And and to be um, precise, we didn't think it was uh, well, well in, and in particular. Australian entertainment partners, were of the view that it was disingenuous to seek funding from a client when that funding couldn't be put to work. Um, so they really didn't want to take anyone's money until it can be put straight into production. Yeah. So that's sort of that's why we've, we've backed off. Uh, and when that state ends, we'll go into marketing mode.
1: Just on the other side of that, considering um, everything we've discussed, would it have been more timely to continue to pursue investors and launch the fund officially when the strike came to a close?
0: Well, it's it's also fair to say on on our side that we have continued discussions with with all interested parties, uh, primarily just to how do I say this? The the wheels of government don't turn at a rapid velocity. Uh, so uh, any uh, negotiation with a government agency takes time. So, so in many ways, this sort of pause um, in, in terms of production was not wasted because we've had a series of productive, ongoing discussions as parties on the other side, being the governments, have wanted more information, more clarification, et cetera, et cetera. So, um it hasn't been a waste of time in that sense, and you know we, we've been able to make good progress.
1: Well, that's completely fair enough. What are the implications of not being able to proceed and engage investors and initiate the funding process? I mean, what's that felt like or been like?
0: Well, um again, it's it's frustrating in the sense that you can't hit the button and go, but I will say that no one can hit the button and go. The industry is in gridlock with the exception of, those projects that were approved before the strike started. So the whole industry is in gridlock. There's, there's really uh, you know, nothing you can do about that. But that said, as I said, on our side, we've continued d- d- discussing the fund w- uh, with, with parties we believe uh, will be and should be interested in, in making an investment. But at the same time, Australian entertainment partners have been speaking to the streaming services, for example, in the United States. Um, th- you know, they've met with the, the Apples, the Amazons, the major Hollywood studios, reminding them, this is what we're looking to do in Australia. Australia is a great destination for production. Once, once the, the strike's over, we think we're going to have some, uh, you know, s- some, some great opportunities for you to make films and television down in Australia. And the reaction from uh, the, the studios in the United States has been overwhelmingly positive. They're very keen to move forward with Australia as a as a destination. We've also been talking to aspiring you know, writers and producers in Australia uh, for Australian content, uh, not only that can be sold down here in Australia, that might be appropriate for a global audience. So... You know, it's it's fair to say whilst the fundraising has been zero, you know, you know, work goes on and it's it's been quite constant.
1: So you're pretty committed to um, waiting for the strike to come to a close to do anything else. Then, oh,
0: absolutely. Uh, You know, you know, at at the end of the day, if we can't put the money to work, there's um, there's no point taking it off people. They can get a better return sitting in the bank where they are now. But, you know, Obviously, we'd we'd all like to think that when we ring the bell, that uh, the capital will be available.
1: And what are the plans then? Say the strike finishes, what are the immediate plans? When are you expecting to launch and what are you expecting to do?
0: I think realistically, the fund will raise its first money in the first quarter of 2024. We're we're already, it's the first of November today as we speak. Um, So you, you can fairly safely say that 2023 um, is gone. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, so, so, you know, we'll come back to work in the first quarter of 24. That's when we'll raise the money. And uh, hopefully we, we start making productions shortly thereafter.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Well, we're really excited to see the fund launch and put something back into the Australian film industry um, here. So we'll have to see what next year brings.
0: Yes, yeah, we're really excited about it.
1: All right, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks, Cassie. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice.